0: Hey, everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you, though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app.
1: Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbicast, the only baseball podcast in the world who doesn't need a calculator for a long division series. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan
0: Schusterman, and that's what we call a good joke. I was gonna say, I was about to come in with some Latter-day Saints jokes, but you just uh, kicked my ass with that one. Uh, Welcome to the LDS preview. If you want the end of our our wild card wrap-up, We did a quick little half-hour episode that dropped on Thursday morning. You can check that out. But now it is time to look forward, Jake. It is time to proceed with the eight teams remaining in the 2023 Major League Baseball season, including four teams that I haven't thought about in five days. So that's exciting. Excited to talk about uh, some of those teams as well as the four teams that we just saw sweep. So all those teams are feeling quite good. We are going to preview all four series in a very similar fashion that we did for the wild card round. But anything we need to uh, get out of uh, out of the way before we uh, start with your Baltimore Orioles, who are the number one seed in the American League? Cannot believe that. It's interesting
1: that it is the ALDS and the NLDS. Why is L in there? Can't mm-hmm. A and N just be American League and National mm-hmm. League, and we just have the ADS and the NDS?
0: Mm-hmm. Just the sure. thought. It's just, I don't know. I, for some reason, it just kind of kind of rolls up. Right, they, they, we know that there are two leagues and, and everything. I, yeah, I don't we know. know. I've, I've thought about um, when we often talk about expansion and realignment and all these things with baseball, I, I've, also, I've often thought about how we will change the terminology for the postseason setting. Hopefully not because we're so used to it. But anyway, the point is uh, we are here with eight teams left and we are going to begin. We're going to go chronologically this time. We are going to start at 1 p.m., on Saturday, or I think it's listed as 1.03 p.m. Eastern, will be first pitch. Very weird. I feel like it's normally 1.08. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers, Jake. Oh my gosh, here we are. Uh, hopefully they don't lose 30-3. to three. <laughs> That would be really embarrassing for them in front of the Camden Yards crowd. We begin with all these matchups with the pitchers. Jake, you know the Orioles quite well. Who do you expect to be taking the mound for the birds in this one? So game one is a near
1: lock. It will be Kyle Bradish. He has been one of the best pitchers in baseball all season long. He is going to receive Cy Young votes. I cannot remember the last time that an Orioles starting pitcher received Cy. How do I pronounce that? Cy, Kai, see, young see
0: young, see see Kai Young votes. C. Young? C. Young? Yeah.
1: Uh, 168 innings, 30 starts, a 2.83 ERA, and basically a strikeout per inning. He is a very, very good pitcher. Your uncles have never heard of him. He is going to pitch pretty well. Don't be too surprised. He'll throw game one. Then it's kind of a question mark. The other four pitchers you could see start a game for Baltimore are Grayson Rodriguez, the rookie John Means, who is back from Tommy John. Dean Kremer, the Israeli guy, and Kyle Gibson, the vet. I will guess that John Means will start game two. He is more susceptible to the long ball. He gives up a lot of contact, doesn't strike anybody out. As a left-handed pitcher facing some righties in the Orioles stadium, having that big wall out there is going to be helpful. I think Rodriguez will start game three. He had his big league debut against the Rangers. He's from Texas. It will be interesting if he does pitch in Globe Life. Probably a lot of family in the house. And then either Gibson or Kremer will get uh, game four. On the other side of things for the Rangers, who swept the Rays, Jordan Montgomery went in their game one. Ivaldi went in their game two. Neither of them will go early. Um, I expect Dane Dunning and Andrew Heaney to piggyback the first start in some fashion before Montgomery gets the ball. Uh, on short rest, right? I believe that would
0: be through on Tuesday. Is that, is that short rest
1: Tuesday to Sunday? No, that's fine. So he'll throw this on Sunday uh, Mm -hmm. with Ivaldi going game three. So let's Mm -hmm. get into some other questions, Jordan. I want to talk about the bullpens because both of these teams have very interesting groups of relievers. The Orioles have had one of the best bullpens in baseball all season long, but then the mountain crumbled. Felix Bautista is going to get Tommy John surgery. He will not throw in this postseason. And so the Orioles bullpen has looked a little bit different over the last month and a half, whereas the Rangers have had a topsy turvy group, uh, to put it lightly, all season long, but looked freaking awesome. Sure. In a very yep. small sample.
0: In the tiniest sample. Yep. Yes. Yep. In the. And uh, I, Jose, like Jose Leclerc looks awesome right He's now. been good. He's been the one guy. He's had a couple moments. And it's funny because remember, that's the guy who. When they put him in a save situation, I believe it was in August, maybe it was a little bit before then. He basically said after the game, like, "Yeah, it was not. I was not ready for that. I was not expecting that." And then he pitched well, and it was fine. He's been great. He's been healthy. Chapman is a total roll of the dice, as we know. But yes, this team, this is a historic bullpen in the worst way. It's basically the lowest save percentage they've converted less than half of their save opportunities this season, which we have seen in Major League Baseball history never with a team that is even remotely good, let alone a team that contended for a division, if not led the division for most of the year. So that is the, the high wire act that this Rangers bullpen is in. Now, now, luckily it didn't matter in these first few games. I mean, in a sort of close game, they, they, you know, Chapman and LeClerc look good. They blow out the Rays in game two. It doesn't really feel like they're really, you know, pitching with any sort of uh, tension there. And the Rays offense was obviously terrible. So now they'll be facing a, a much feistier Baltimore group. And if you know, their starters aren't going as long. They're just going to have a lot more innings to cover. And so that is going to be the test. But as you mentioned, without Bautista behind Cano I'm curious because Cano's generally done everything you could possibly ask for of him since Bautista went out who who are those next guys that you're kind of looking at as as guys that you trust because some of them have pretty good numbers like Danny Coulomb and and you know Cnl Perez but I'm really interested by Tyler Wells kind of maybe going back into the into the bullpen he was a starter for them really good in this, at the beginning of the year and But then it really all started. They started hitting him really hard. He throws so many strikes. How does that translate to the bullpen? We know Fujinami is about as much of a roller coaster as you can get. I I love Fuji, but that's going to be a scary ride in October. And then you have some other younger guys, right? D.L. Hall we've mentioned. And then the big question is, like, who did we mention that's not starting these games? Cole Irvin and Jack Flaherty. Are these guys making the roster? Are we seeing them in in long relief? You're shaking your head no. I'm just curious who you're trusting besides Cano in this bullpen. C.N.L. Perez It's a high ERA. Mm -hmm. If you look at the splits
1: first and second half, he's been incredible Mm -hmm. over the last couple months of the season. Changed his pitch mix a little bit closer Mm -hmm. to what it was last season. And now he's electric. He can get guys out from both sides as a left-handed pitcher. He is the guy I feel pretty confident about. Wells, I'm a little iffy on, but he did look good coming out of the pen, throwing harder after he, like he just was, he was their best starter through the first half of the year. Mm -hmm. And then his velo went down a little bit. His command got bad and they, recognized really early on and moved him to the pen and had him work on that in the minor leagues. So I have more faith just in the whole group that no one is going to be horrible than anybody but Cano is going to be dominant. But let's flip it over to the offensive side of things. Sure. Could we just see a slugfest in here? Like maybe we are biased because the Rangers put up 30 runs in Camden Yards once upon a time. (laughs)
0: The fence was much shorter then, to be fair. Oh, okay, okay. And Josh Donaldson hit four home runs at Camden Yards. Uh, sorry, I'm going to let you say it again because you said Josh Donaldson. You're tired. Say it again. Josh Hamilton once hit four home runs at Camden Yards. Chris, almost keep that five,
1: in. almost five, off the top <laughs> almost of the five. wall. And so, yeah. like in my brain, I'm like, oh wow, O's Rangers. It's going to be 21 win by two. I do think one of these games is going to. We're gonna get two double-digit scores. We're gonna see something
0: crazy. That would be that would be fun. I mean, you know, we're joking about thirty to three. Why not? You know, thirty-three to thirty. Let's let's Love get that. wild here. Let's have, let's have a good time. Is that more like that's still more likely to happen in Baltimore than Texas? I think um, Globe Death Field does play. I don't. I don't know. It's it feels gigantic, but then sometimes it's the balls flying out of there. It's it's a weird and I, and I still just because I think about twenty twenty postseason like. There's just all kinds of strange associations with that ballpark, which again we haven't seen in the postseason with the Rangers. That's not a thing we've seen. This is going to be a new a new experience to watch the Texas Rangers play postseason baseball in Globe Life Field. But I agree, and I think that that's you know kind of one of the one of the, that's I agree. It's that's a good question. Now the Rangers lineup is as good as like the best version of the Rangers lineup is is better than the Orioles. Like that's I think indisputable. But the ways that the Orioles can score, and and it'll be interesting to see kind of where their power comes from. You know, Santander has been so reliable. Obviously, Gunner has been a superstar. But Mullins, who finished September very poorly, he has not been anywhere the hitter that he was in the first half of the year since he's come back from injury. Adley, we've kind of seen some fluctuation, at least from a power side. So not that the Orioles, you know, can't, can't swing it too. And they've had a lot of late game magic, which I think could match up well with the Rangers bullpen. But that is going to be kind of an interesting thing to see. So how did the Orioles win this series? They come in hot
1: in Baltimore. The crowd is rocking. The Rangers are like, oh, it feels like a postseason game. Weird. (laughs) And Kyle Bradish is great in game one. And the Rangers tandem of Dane Dunning and Andrew Heaney is not. And I think Mm -hmm. that's very possible. Game two is a game where I think the Rangers could steal it. Uh, in Baltimore, if those aren't careful, Montgomery has been unbelievable, and John Means or Grace Rodriguez are both liable to give up bombs in that in that park.
0: Um, however, so we would go ahead. Well, I'm just I am just thinking about like I'm, I'm fascinated by the Orioles' pitching decisions past Bradish. Like I really don't have a great sense of for all that Hyde has been talking up Means. I just I don't know. Like I, I I'm not. I, I want to see him start and I, I want to see that happen, but I just, I don't like, he's going to pitch. He's going to be on the roster. I just, I don't, I don't know what that's going to look like, especially it'd be a different conversation if Gibson was disastrous down the stretch, but he wasn't yeah. right? And Kremer was pretty good down the stretch. And Grayson was obviously amazing. Grayson's best start of the year comes in the biggest start of the year against Tampa. Like we've seen him kind of have that moment. So I'm the means question is, is just a huge one. And, and fortunately, you know, you're not going up against the Texas Team that has Max Scherzer, although I'll allow this time to mention, it does seem like Max Scherzer is trying to come back. We it's not happening this series, but it is at least something yeah. that we should mention because he looked like he was throwing a bullpen at a much higher um, ever level than you would have expected considering his injury. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm at with the Orioles pitching. I'm just I'm not, not yeah. that I'm even nervous. I'm just so interested how they how they line it up. So for me, here's how the Orioles win: two of the five games will be
1: started for Texas. By n- not Montgomery Evaldi. So, like, there will yep. be a Dane. There'll be two Dane Dunning or Andrew Heaney starts, right? Yep. The Orioles win both of them. And then they just, Nadia Evaldi doesn't have his good shit, which he didn't mm. have the whole second half here. That's a pretty easy calculus. How do the Look Rangers pretty
0: good win? on Wednesday, but yes.
1: I understand. How do the Rangers win? Uh, they have to win game two. The Montgomery matchup against whoever the O's are throwing is a huge advantage for them. They need Montgomery to win his second start in game five in Baltimore too. I just have no faith in the other Rangers pitchers. That's the other way it happens, right? It's like they just patch together enough outs in a Heaney-Dunning start and get on one of the Orioles, like get on means in game three if he starts that game. Sure. That's kind of how that goes down.
0: One more just Rangers thing that I'm thinking about. Evan Carter has looked amazing, and that's been true since he got called up. How much longer are we batting the guy ninth? Like, I understand that it's Bochi is as – you know, he's obviously going to follow the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mantra of managing. Like, that's fine. I get it. Um, are we just going to keep, like, are they really about to roll out the exact same lineup with Robbie Grossman batting third and Evan Carter batting ninth? Pro- Honestly, probably. <laughs> but I'm I'm super curious uh, about that in, in the coming days because he is, I'm not saying he should be batting third but you are just giving away at-bats for one of your best players. It's really not that complicated. Like, And if you want to galaxy brain it and say he's your second leadoff guy, that's stupid. You want Evan Garner to be batting more than Leody Tavares at this point. That is kind of that simple. So I'm curious about that too.
1: I will take Orioles in five. I think game five will be Kyle Bradish on full rest against Jordan Montgomery on short rest. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that will be the difference.
0: Yep. I also think Orioles in four or five. Um I think they split in both places, mm-hmm. is my then, is my thought too. Oh boy. Too. Game five would be spicy, but long yes, divi- are we? Jordan and hey, that's that's a long division series. Are we? <laughs> that is a long division series. Uh are we biased uh because we're both rooting for the Orioles? Uh duh. Sorry about it. Uh, I mean me I don't disp-
1: <laughs> I don't think I'm biased. They won what, <laughs> no, like twelve I, I know, more know, games.
0: Of that's the other thing about it. Just like the forget the analysis. Like it is as simple as the you can't fluke your way to the season the Orioles just had. I, right. You can look at the individual players and the individual numbers and all the matchups. It's like, no, this team is clearly has something very special going on. And the on, last point on that, all the people that are like saying, oh, look at fan graphs once again, not giving the Orioles any chance to win the World Series. They, why do you care? What, what difference does it make? Nobody at Fangrass, Meg Rowley's not going in there and just plugging in the numbers herself and saying, ha ha, fuck you, <laughs> Orioles. Like, no, it's the opposite. It's the same system that, was, that wasn't that was believing them in the regular season. They're not going to tweak it just because, like, that's just how it's working. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it makes no difference. It's funny. You could say, they don't believe that The numbers don't believe in us. That's fine. That makes it all the better. All right, let's move on. Astros, Twins. Oh, my goodness. The Korea Bowl has arrived. Woo! And I cannot wait for this series. Jake, once again, take it away with the pitchers that we expect to see. Justin Verlander is announced for game one. He will be making his
1: 328th career postseason start. I saw a list. I think he's like top five ever in the wildcard era, which would mean top five ever, ever, because there are more playoff games than there have ever been before. I think Andy Pettit still has the record. For both so, starts.
0: So I am writing about Justin Verlander for Fox, uh, which you can hopefully read at some point on Friday. And yeah, I mean, he is fourth all time in postseason innings, he's second in starts, he's already first in strikeouts. Uh, second in playoff victories, and basically only behind Pettit because Pettit only pitched in the postseason. So I know that's an exaggeration, but yes, he's way – Pettit's like still like 50 innings ahead of of even second place. It's absurd. So anyway, yes, Verlander, we've seen him in the postseason a million times, and he will be starting game one. Framber will go game two, and then game three is kind of a question
1: mark for Houston. It'll either be Christian Javier, Jose Urquidy, maybe
0: Hunter Brown. I think no. At this point, considering how they finished, I would be shocked if it's Hunter Brown. Um, I think it has to be Arcidi. I imagine
1: he is the one they feel the most confident about. I think, but remember, they need a guy for Game Three and Game Four because of how these series work. So we could see Arcidi in three, and then if they lose it, you could run Verlander back on short rest for Game Four, and then Framber on short rest for Game Five. True, if their backs are up against the wall.
0: I still think oh, backs against the wall. Well, well we will bring that phrase back at some point i think jp france is also probably going to be in consideration um at some point um i know he had like a family emergency during the final weekend where he had a start that was scratched but like he's healthy so i think he's expected to be around so i think they'd probably be deciding between him and javier and arcudy uh but verlander fromber is still pretty good but who are we expecting for minnesota
1: So uh, the Twins had Pablo Lopez throw game one, Sonny Gray through game two. That would mean Joe Ryan is in line to start game three that has not yet been announced. Pablo Lopez would be able to start game two on full rest. I imagine that's what they'll do. That means Sonny Gray in game three. They will need a game four starter unless they're going to run Joe Ryan back on short rest. I don't imagine that happens. Ryan doesn't seem like the type of guy who his mix is going to play Particularly well on short rest if he's never done it before. And they have enough depth options between Kenta Maeda and Bailey Ober that I think
0: it can make sense. Yeah. And that's really the decision that they're going to be making. And maybe by the time you're listening to this, you know what they've decided. Ryan was scheduled to throw on Thursday, potentially for a game three. So you could just push him back two days, have him go Saturday. Ober, who wasn't on the wildcard roster, Kenta Maeda, who didn't pitch. All three of those guys, like Ryan's clearly been there three all season, but Ober and Maeda have been good and reliable enough that you could imagine they do some combination of those and then also again for game four. So that is interesting. But I think we are definitely more interested, assuming they can line up Lopez and uh, Gray, the same way that Texas can line up Montgomery and Ivaldi, is, is game three for Houston, right? And between those, we, we kind of just touched on it already. But I, I do think it's, it's, it's an interesting mix because the highest upside is definitely still Javier. Um, but he's just been so mercurial this year. I don't. There's been versions of him where it's like, oh, there it is, and then it it gets ugly. is kind of the safest one, I would imagine. But I also feel like JP France is maybe just a better version of Arcidi on the whole, but not one who's pitched a shit ton in the playoffs the way that Arcidi has. So we'll be very. I could see Dusty at the end of the day. He's like, yeah, Arcidi. Like that's the guy yeah. I, I trust. You
1: go with Chubby Drake, baby. Backs yeah. up against the wall. <laughs> go with Chubby Drake. Um, who throws game through for the Astros? That was our first question. We talked about it. Question number two. If these two teams were named the Cougars and the Panthers, if they were like, you know, the – from two uh, amorphous cities, the mm-hmm. Poughkeepsie Panthers against the Catasauqua Cougars or whatever, mm-hmm. who's going to win? Because mm-hmm. when you see Astros versus Twins, you think – do I even need to watch this (laughs)
0: history tells us that Houston will win the neutrals who didn't bother to watch the wildcard round or the AL central the entire season who are, you know, casually popping in for the division series round and see Astros twins, just, which is fine, which is great. And if you're listening, that's fantastic. We love you. Uh, But I don't blame these, this hypothetical person for looking at Astros twins on the schedule and be like, you mean the team that's been in every postseason game versus the team that's been in zero post or that's lost a billion postseason every, games in a row? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So in that sense, yeah, it's like, oh, they got no shot. They definitely have a chance here. I mean, this is a situation where they line up pretty well and the kinds of games that we just saw them win against Toronto makes me feel pretty good. Now, at the same time, I think about the parallels of last year where you had the Mariners who swept the Blue Jays and went to Houston feeling good. And you're actually looking at the matchups and you're thinking, OK, they have a chance. And the way they competed with them, they did have a chance. At the same time, they had no chance. <laughs> and they got swept in what many people were calling you know, the most competitive sweep we've ever seen. Now, are we expecting... The same sequence of Jordan Alvarez home runs plus an 18-inning game? Probably not. Yes. However, however, there are a lot of parallels here, which I think could work in Minnesota's favor and against it. So how
1: do the Astros win? Uh, the way that they always do. The lineup is good and clutch and Verlander and Framber Valdez are good in the starts that they make and they win again. That mm-hmm. I don't think I need to explain Too much to people listening. How do the Astros (laughs) win a postseason should be self-explanatory. How do the Mm -hmm. Twins win? Mm -hmm. Okay. So my big concern with the Twins is as awesome as their performance was, they Mm -hmm. did not really hit. They scored three runs in the first game and two runs in the second game. Mm -hmm. Two of those runs in the first game were Royce Lewis solo shots, right? Yep. And so that's not exactly what you would call depth of a lineup. And while I believe that the Twins have better pitching, I think the gap between Houston's pitching and Minnesota's lineup is bigger than the gap between Minnesota's pitching and Houston's lineup, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Houston's offense is just a level or two better than what Minnesota can do.
0: And it's the combination, not just of the names, because again, if you're saying, okay, Houston's best four guys or best five guys, right? Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker, right? That just... Is holy shit, right? Not to mention that we've seen all of them do crazy stuff in October. I'm not even talking about Jeremy Pena because as amazing as he was last October, he's just been not a very good hitter for the entire season. So maybe he shows up again, but if not, like that, we can move him to the side. Whereas Minnesota, like, list me their best four hitters in order. I, I, I mean, it, these are good players, but I'm, I'm, like, I'm curious who you would say those are, right? Royce Lewis is number
1: one right now. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I'm the the conductor of the Edward Julian train. Yeah, and and statistically, he's there. Yeah. Statistically, he's right there. And, you know, that's what we call being right. Told you people (laughs) all season (laughs) long. I would say Carlos Correa is three, even though he has not looked like himself all season. He's still Carlos Correa. It is still in the playoffs. And then then Kepler.
0: I think it's Kepler.
1: Probably Kepler. Maybe peak Joe Maurer. It could be Kirby
0: Puckett. Yep. Are they available? No. Okay. So that's really where where it's it kind of falls apart now, I know statistically, yes, the twins have have had one of the best offenses in baseball in the second half, like that's that's true, even with guys that we haven't mentioned yet, right like Matt Walner has contributed. Alex Kirillov has been really solid. Polanco has just been a very steady above average hitter. but when you but, watch the thing, <laughs> yeah when you watch it, and still when you imagine the upside of it, it's just harder to get there at the same time though, the twins. Pitching, and this is where the last point I want to make about why I think they have a good shot here. If there was anything to be especially optimistic about with Minnesota, it is the the bullpen, right? I mean, I wrote a whole thing about the starting pitching, and I could have gone even longer about the the, the relievers, but you think about Johan Duran, right? And that guy's a freak. He's the hardest throw in the league. He's going in there playing catch at 103, right, with like a busted finger, like no trouble, right? Um. Louis Varland's throwing 100 miles an hour in the sixth inning. Griffin Jacks is throwing 98. Brock Stewart's throwing 99. Like, these are not the Twins. <laughs> this is a new era of Twins pitching. And the fact that that extends to the bullpen, and the fact that the Astros bullpen, who basically delivered the greatest bullpen performance in postseason history last year, I, it's a lot of the same guys, and it's still a really good group. I'll take the under on delivering the greatest postseason of all time again. It's a good call. Truly, right? I still, I could the Astros still win the World Series? Of course. But that is something that I think there's a little, it, that is something that's way closer. Now, obviously, experience-wise, the Astros are going to have every team beat by a factor of 1,000. And so there's nothing you can't get around that. But the talent gap is not that big, especially on the pitching side. I think the Twins maybe do have the edge. And then the hitters, it's just going to have to be some guys are just going to have to become a lot more famous in the next few days. Cougars or Panthers, who you got? Um. Yeah. Who's Who's Who in this? Uh, I think I like the Cougs, man. Go Cougs. Cougs uh, you know why? You know why? Because you can't shorten Panthers. Do people call right? What's the nickname for the Let's Panthers? go Pants? <laughs> like I'm curious, do the, For the for the football team, the Panthers. Do, I don't know what the. Third, the third nickname is? Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> the, so I, I just like saying the Cougs, like roll Cougs, okay. like whatever. That's great. So I'm going if, Cougars, whichever one that is.
1: If you're a Carolina Panthers fan, every day is a thirsty Thursday. Uh, Jordan, <laughs> let's go. Okay, well, I'm going to take. pick? I'm going to yeah. take the Twins in four. Here's what I think happens. I'll, yes. I'll go. I'll go Verlander dominant game one. Strosman okay. game one. Got Pablo it. Lopez big nut performance mm. in game two on the road. They okay. go back to Minnesota and then at that point the twins have a huge starting pitching oh, man. advantage. We're rolling. We're with rolling with Sonny Gray and I assume Bailey Ober, even against whoever the
0: sure. four whoever you yep. know, Maeda. They win game three and game four Oof. Minnesota. Wow. And it's just mm. yeah. I hope they can get I hope they can get one. I hope they can improve on uh, what Seattle did and I hope they can do it in fewer innings uh, for their sake. Can we just spend sorry two minutes about Carlos Correa because we didn't even talk about him at all? Sure. Like this will be extremely cool. And I think it's not just that like, Oh, he used to play for them. Like the fact that he clearly carried all of his knowledge and you can make all your jokes about the cheating, whatever. I, I'm, I, it's not interesting to me anymore, brought it to Minnesota and the leadership. And, and let me tell you, I, I didn't really talk about this or get to write about this, but just being around the twins, like, you know, earlier or in September, my God, they just love this dude so much. And that's been true since they miraculously brought him back that's been true through him playing through plantar fasciitis and not being a very good hitter for much of the season. He is just so freaking important. And if you still hate him for 2017, that's fine. But I am so excited to watch him fig- like find a way to lead these guys against all of his former friends. It is going to be fantastic. Jordan, let's take a break. And when we get back, we will do the National
1: League. I'm going to go open a bottle of wine. Because we're recording on Thursday night. Just to be clear, oh yeah, nothing Thursday. wrong with wine on Friday morning, but that's not what's happening.
0: Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a quick housekeeping note about our merch. Look, in Australia, we love clothes and almost always wear them. If you're like us and also enjoy dabbling in clothes wearing, then why not consider some official Baseball Barbercast merchandise? Whether it's a jumper you're after, which you would call a sweatshirt, a cap, which we would call an old hair hugger, or a shirt, which we would call a belly wrap, we have it all for you. But that's not all. Do you also like to drink water or caffeinated beverages? Well, that's great because we have mugs and bottles to help you quench your thirst too. To buy any of this merch, go to podswag.com slash baseball. The link is in the description of the podcast. And don't leave yourself clothesless this.
1: And welcome back to Baseball Barbercast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And this. Clink. Is my glass of wine. Cheers. Cheers to the National League. Um, It feels appropriate that I'm drinking While we're talking about the Philadelphia Phillies.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And just like the general energy of what we are uh, about to, about to witness. Embark upon, Jordan. It, it is not just witness. Okay. Even though
1: most of us will be just watching the Phillies and the Braves play in NLDS, it is an experience. It will wear us down. We will feel this
0: physically and therefore it is important to prepare. So before, I mean, we we you know we listed a couple questions here. Um, before we even do that, like and talk about the pitchers and the actual questions here for the series, I'm just trying to remember how we were feeling before last year, because at that point the Phillies were, I guess, still this like fun underdog, right? And the Braves had won 100 games again, but at the time. I don't remember thinking the Braves are the best team in baseball. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Like they were obviously really good and heavily favored against the Phillies team who had sort of snuck into the postseason in this weird way. But I don't remember thinking about it as like these two. It was, it was very much an, an, an underdog situation, but also not that Atlanta is the best team. Whereas this time you have the Phillies, as, as we've talked about this week, have clearly ascended to regardless of their, uh, regardless of their seed and their their wildcard, whatever, people, at this point, a lot of which are recognizing them as one of the very, very few best teams in baseball in this whole tournament, right? Correct. And so in that sense, there is a lot more hype about the this, as, as regardless of the seeding and regardless of how many games the Braves finished ahead of them, as a legitimate, full-blown heavyweight fight that is also a rematch. And I'm fascinated by that because I feel like people are still treating the Phillies to some degree like an underdog, as if they didn't beat them last year, and I just think that the dynamic is like obviously similar in a lot of ways, but it, it clearly is is different in some ways. And as, as you've been so close to both of these teams and witnessed it last year, I'm curious the differences you're seeing this time around. Both of these teams
1: are better than they were last year. Yeah, for a number of different reasons, they're both a lot better than they were last year. Yeah, Acuna was not this.
0: Totally, that's a that's huge, a, obvious. It, and ne- neither was Matt Olson.
1: Neither was Matt Olson. Austin Riley was a little bit better, but that's really just splitting hairs there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had Dansby. is yep. another thing to remember. Yep. So that's an, that was Harris, reason was, they were Harris was better. Harris had a
0: better full season, no, but Harris yeah. is
1: about the same in my opinion, yeah. but uh, and the Phillies right now, they have Turner, which is a big deal. They mm-hmm. have Trey Turner. That's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have Hoskins, but they have kind of replaced Hoskins with elite outfield defense which is funny considering what the joke was about these Phillies, where it was like, they have Castellanos, Harper, and Schwarber. How the hell are they going to play everyone out there? And they have pivoted and moved Schwarber to DH, and Castellanos has gotten much better in the outfield. Now they have Johan Rojas in center and Christian Pache in left, and it's like, oh, that's that'll work. That'll oh, play. Yeah. Stott is better. Bohm mm-hmm. is better a little bit. So I think both of these teams are better. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Who's better, though? Like, who's better... who's more who's improved more compared to last year who who, who'd be more better yeah uh the
1: phillies are more better and here's the one thing about these two teams i just want to point out i'm not
0: yeah that's interesting i'm 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 not not sure if i agree but okay how many more games did the braves win this year uh uh they won four more three more three more games no i meant like Compared to one another. The, the Braves won oh, 14. Oh, then the, then the Phillies. I'm saying compared yeah. 2022 Braves compared yeah. to 2023 Braves. The
1: Braves won 14 more games
0: than the Phillies this year. Mm-hmm. They are not 14 games worth of
1: quality apart. The Braves mm-hmm. guys play every day and everyone stayed healthy yes. on the offensive side. And so yes. what that meant was they are just picking up more wins over the course of the year. Trey yeah. Turner was asked for four months. Harper wasn't himself. Didn't play for a month and a half and then wasn't himself for another two months. Yeah. Um. And like, that's a lot of wins. That's a lot of the Braves are still better. And even if they lose this series, I'll say the 2023 Braves were better. Yeah. But the Phillies are closer to the Braves' win total right now, quality-wise, than it might appear. That's, Objects in mirror are closer than they. are. Sure.
0: Appear. No, I'm I'm not disputing that. And, and to me, it's really less about I, all the. There's plenty of pro Phillies arguments picking them to win. It's all I totally understand all those. But I think that's also part of what's made this Braves season so astonishing is that there was even room for them to get this much better, which they did and had, you know, tied the record for most home runs uh, that we've ever seen, right? Like other huge Acuna becoming the best player in the league from what he was last year, clearly diminished for another one, which is not one that we're excited to see. Marcelo Zuno was fucking horrible last season and he's got 40 home runs this year, right? Like he's back to his... His, you know, almost close to the best version of his self. So I, I've been, let, let alone Sean Murphy, right? That's another one where not the catcher was a weak spot last year, but there's still versions of this. So that's what's so impressive about, about Atlanta to me when I really am just in the fact that Olsen could somehow and Acuna could both be this much better. But all that said, let's get to the pitchers. There's just so much for the series. But line up the pitchers for me unless there's any other big picture things.
1: Well, the important thing to note about both of these National League series is that there's a bizarre off day. So in order to get the AL and the NL on different schedules, MLB is, they instituted an off day after NLDS game one. So on Friday, sorry, no, on Saturday, everyone will play. All four series will go. On Sunday, it will just be the American League. And on Monday, it will just be the National League. Now, the reason that this is relevant is because it gives National League pitchers who throw game one of the NLDS an extra day of rest that would then allow them to throw game four on full rest. This is relevant because the Atlanta Braves are starting Spencer Strider in game one, Max Fried in game two, probably Bryce Elder in game three, and then they will roll back Spencer Strider in game four on full rest, and likely Max Fried on short rest in a decisive game five. Opposite that, the Phillies are going to go Ranger Suarez probably in game one, in Game 2, they'll do NOLA. Game 3 will be – sorry, Game 2 will be Wheeler. Game 3, NOLA. Game 4, Suarez. Game 5, Wheeler on short rest. That is what I think we'll see.
0: So, first of all, do we know why it's the NL and not the AL for the off day? Um, I, I don't know if they're if they're going to alternate it in future years and then next year it'll be – I have no idea. So, I don't know how this was decided. I'd be curious about that. Um, maybe we can ask around about that. But, yes, it is – Seemingly exclusively a television decision, uh, one that makes sense when, if you're the league and your entire goal is to have as many people watch these games as possible, that's that's part of it. And so, if you're a fan of an American League team that thinks you're getting hosed, like I, I, I sort of understand that, but whatever. I doesn't matter to me because it's not like the other team gets the advantage.
1: You know what I mean? Right? Like it's the teams that you know, are the playing Orioles, each other. It's, it's the same. Thing. Yeah. It's sure. not like the Orioles are playing the Braves, so I don't really think sure, it matters. Sure. Sure. But it is relevant when you're thinking about this series. Yep. Pitching. Let's talk about the pitching. Uh Max Freed has a blister. He's got a little yeah. boo-boo, little babooski on his throwing yeah. hand. He had a band aid over it in his simulated game start that he made this week. He cannot have a band-aid over it during the game. So it's unclear just how much that's gonna bother him. Last year in his game one start, again, he's I know he's starting game two. Last year in his Game 1 start, he had a stomach bug. He was throwing up the whole time, and he was bad, and that was why, right? Mm -hmm. And then Spencer Strider, who I know you're more interested in, he's going to throw Game 1. Now, the last we saw him in the playoffs was Game 3 a year ago at Citizens Bank Park, where he was incredible for two innings, and then his superpowers evaporated, and Reese Hoskins sent him into the great beyond.
0: Well, I'm also curious, uh, right, and by the way, for anyone who hasn't been, like, Morton is a non-factor for this series at the very least, uh, is my understanding. Um, Then that's just obviously a a Braves name that people are maybe wondering about if they haven't been following that closely. seems like he's injured and not going to be in the mix to start a game. Freed, as you mentioned. Strider, yeah, I mean, it's the fact that not just that we're thinking about what we saw in in October last year, but also kind of how we've seen him against the Phillies this year, right? Like, we've seen... I'm trying to see how many times has he faced the Phillies this year. I believe it was about four, to four times. And he's pretty much dominated every single time. I mean, these Correct. have been four of his best starts all season. Uh, he went six and two runs, six and one run, seven and one run, seven and three runs with 11 strikeouts um, with just a ridiculous amount. I think it's 38 strikeouts to three walks. over over these four starts against the Phillies this year. That's two at home, two in Philly. So we've seen it both ways. So while, yes, as soon as he comes out there, they're going to show the highlights of him getting blasted last October, he has had a lot of success against this lineup since then. So I am just fascinated, both in Game 1 and probably Game 4, what is Spencer Strider? Of course, his season on the whole, regardless of against the Phillies, has been the subject of much discourse. How could he be in the running for the Cy Young when his ERA is closer to four than three, let alone two? And the answer is because he's, he strikes out more people than ever, ever. He strikes out at a higher rate of pitch, uh, batters as a starting pitcher than we've ever seen, and it's that's, that's, that's important. The historical achievement in that category is not insignificant. Uh, But yeah, 386 ERA is pretty high for a Cy Young winner. I don't think he's going to win the Cy Young, but I am fascinated to see where he ends up on all those ballots. All that said, none of that matters right now. All it is is about these two starts against the Phillies, and I'm curious uh, how you think, how how confident are you in Strider going into this uh, series? Really confident. Mm -hmm. Um, The Phillies don't see
1: the healthy Spencer Strider well. We have a lot of data on that. Yeah. The only data we have on cooked Spencer Strider is like an innings worth of the Phillies murdering him last October.
0: At the worst possible
1: time. (laughs) At the worst possible time. And I have no reason to believe that version of Strider is going to show up. Sure. Now, I've had conversations with him. I think I wrote about this. Like, he needs to be ready if he is throwing 94. Right? He can't just be like, well, it's 94. Boo-hoo, I lose. Like, he needs to get outs that way. However... The velo hasn't been down in months, and there's no, no reason to think that with all this rest he just had, the velo won't be at its classic level.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I will say that he it's more it's less about what happened last October and more about, despite how, what I just said, how he dominated them in four starts, Like he's had some real clunkers this year. That's how your ERA gets to 3.86, right? But I'm encouraged by the fact that the homers have not been an issue over the last two months. He has not allowed multiple home runs since July 26th. He's only allowed, I think, four home runs over his last 12 starts uh, to finish the season, which is a, a great – or 11 starts, um, which is a great sign because that's been an issue for him, uh, certainly earlier this season. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm pretty confident. Uh, but he that is just – I of all the starting pitchers, I'm, I'm excited to see how they do this, this week, uh, upcoming week. He's definitely near the top of the list. Um, now, I know you have a big question on the Phillies side. Is Will the real Bryce Harper please stand up? It was two games, I
1: understand, but Bryce Harper did not look great at the dish against the Marlins. Yes, it was a bad matchup for him with a lot of lefties. The Braves are a better matchup for him. They're pretty righty-heavy. But still, I'm just so used to Bryce Harper coming through in big moments. Maybe none of the moments were quite big enough for him. Jordan, if he doesn't go off, is it a disappointment? Are, are our standards too high for this freak of nature?
0: Um, Yeah, it's weird, right? I mean, I felt so ridiculous judging him for the first few months when he was getting on base and not hitting any home runs and like... How do you, how do you complain about the dude that came back from Tommy John in five months? Like that's absurd, right? Uh, then eventually he turned it on and he looked amazing and he looked like one of the best hitters on earth. And that's basically what he was for the last few months. So is the two game sample against the Marlins left? He's going to change that? No. Um, is it going to be on him to carry the load? Thankfully, no, because there's a lot of good hitters in the Phillies lineup that can do it. Uh, but it's Bryce Harper. It's one of those things where, yeah, (laughs) people are going to look to him first no matter what, no matter how good all those other Phillies hitters are. So I I would hope that he could have uh, at least one moment, especially if we expect this series to go at least four or five games. How do the Phillies win? The X factor here, to use the most cliche term in sports,
1: Ranger Suarez is a big part of this puzzle. Last year, he delivered in game one, For the Phillies in Atlanta and beat Freed. Yes, I know Freed was a depleted version of himself, but Ranger was still very good. And then he was very reliable all postseason long in starting and in relief. And so, like, if he can go out and hang with Strider in game one, that gives them a real shot. How do the Braves win, Jordan? I think the Braves win by Ronald Acuna (laughs) waving hello. Well, actually, you know what? The Braves can win in like 85 different ways. And both of these teams can win in 85 different ways.
0: But this is also, especially on offense, and I know that there's a reason to think that the Phillies have some level of pitching edge debatable, but I, I understand that thinking, this is where I feel like the difference is. I just last year's Braves team was really good and a really good lineup, but, it was not even close. I mean, it honestly was not even close to what we saw this year. I mean, last year's Braves team hit 243 home runs. They had an OPS plus of of 110. Like their best OPS plus last year was Austin Riley at 141. Michael Harris, 137. William Contreras, he's not on the team anymore, 137. Olsen was at 121, right? Like Darnell, Albies and Swanson, you know, Swanson 114. Like this year, across the board, not only are they hitting so many home runs, but like there's just so many more guys, the versions of these guys that could beat you this year in, in such a substantial way, and that that's where I just feel like they are going to have uh, going to have enough here, and that's why uh, I'm picking I'm picking Atlanta in four and just raining on the the Phillies parade. I will take Atlanta in five.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Acuna does something we'll never forget
0: in a good way. <laughs> Amen, brother. Let us move to our final. Long division series. How long will it go? We are about to find out. The Arizona Diamondbacks, fresh off of a sweet little sweep in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, head over to Dodger Stadium to face a team they have seen plenty of in recent years, obviously. And uh, wow, this is an interesting one. N-L-D-S. Oh, are we trying to start snake chance? I love that. Uh, the D-backs. I would say their wild card performance was the most impressive. Most definitive. It, it was the most... I don't Not know if it was the definitive. most definitive. The Phillies
1: was, were the most definitive, but the Diamondbacks were just like, this is how this team wins baseball games. It
0: was the most complete. Yeah, We saw contributions from the most people um, yeah. on the Diamondbacks roster, which makes you excited for what is possible. It also makes you think, that's probably what's going to have to happen again if they are going to beat the Dodgers. The pitching matchups in this one, we are expecting Clayton Kershaw. I believe has already been announced for Game One. Bobby Miller for Game Two for the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw was announced uh, for
1: Game One. I think in two thousand and nine, they announced him for this series in Game One.
0: That's well, you know just what he. You do. know, what we didn't talk about. What? Um. Total diversion here. Alex Cora saying he expects Chris Sale to be the opening day starter next year. I saw that. Like during the end of season press conference or something? No, he said it before the end of the Red Sox. Before the end of the season. It was like the last week. He's like, I just want to get out ahead of this now. Uh, Honestly, honestly, this is like a total diversion. What are the chances that actually happens? Like I don't don't know why I'm expecting, why would I expect that (laughs) to happen? Brian Bale is so much better than Chris Sale. It's not even close, let alone all the health questions. Okay, sorry. We're not talking about the Reds. What? You're amazing. Um, I just you were you made a joke about announcing slang far in advance. Uh Clayton Karshaw game one. Bobby Miller game two. Game three is interesting. I think it's definitely gonna be Lance Lynn. I know he's you know been a home run derby pitcher for a lot of this season, but there's I just there's no way that Lance Lynn is not starting a <laughs> He's honestly like I just think and, and a lot of it is they don't have a ton of other options. I think he's going to get one of those starts. If it is going to be one of the younger guys, Ryan Pepio, I think is the most likely. Maybe Emmett Sheehan, probably not. On the Diamondback side, we will see Merrill Kelly in game one because they didn't have to use him in the Wild Card round. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? We're about to find out more on that in a second. Zach Gallon, we expect to return uh, in game two on Monday. Which would be, I guess, full rest, normal rest, uh, and then Brandon Fott, uh, presumably. Who we saw start and not do very well, but again, who else are they going to start? Uh, presumably, it will be him. Maybe they just lean into it and just go full bullpen game from the start. You know, just go Sol Frank to Castro to Ginkle to whatever. We'll mm. see. That's uh, yes. that's that is uh, that is what we got there. Okay. Now, Jordan, yes, uh, you majored in communications. Oh, yes. I believe you. You minor in geology. I, I almost, I almost majored in geology. When I arrived uh, at the College of Worcester in the fall of 2013, I was like, I'm going to be a geology major. There's a fun, fun fact about people. Uh, and then I did a lab uh, my spring semester, okay. a ton of hours in lab, and I was like, barely oh. passed that class. And I was like, All right, I got to go back to the words. Okay, uh, I was a history major. Oh, that's true. Yes. However, true. you're about to educate us yes. on some history, please. Here is some important history, and this is my first question. How do the D-backs, not just how do the D-backs win, we'll get to that in a second. How do the D-backs win if history tells us that game one should be a truly impossible task? What do I mean by that, Jake Vince? You are clearly wondering. Well, there's two things working against the Diamondbacks in game one and game two, uh, by extension. Game one, they will have Merrill Kelly. They have have announced it. They're, They're going for it. Merrill Kelly has made 15 starts against the Los Angeles Dodgers in his career since he came back over from the KBO and has been an Arizona Diamondback starter. He has not recorded a win in a single one of them. It is tied for the second most starts against a single opponent in Major League Baseball history without a win. I do believe the Diamondbacks have won two of those games, uh, but he has not won uh, any of them. That is tough. Not that he's gotten blasted in every single outing, but he's gotten blasted in most of them, <laughs> and so that's one thing. So that's that's one part. Okay, Merrill Kelly. But hey, you know that's a small sample size. Here's a larger sample size. Since the start of the 2019 season, the Arizona Diamondbacks are seven and 31 at mm. Dodger Stadium. Is that good? That is, is that a is that a is that a 540 winning percentage, Jordan? That is uh, <laughs> you you ask. Is that a five? That is a 184 winning percentage. Mm. That's not going to get it done um now some of those d-backs teams were horrific and not reflective of this team sure uh but as we've seen with and you could turn around maybe maybe in this year i think they were slightly better than a 184 winning percentage but the point is
1: they took three out of four i think in one of those series at at Dodger stadium and it was like oh
0: my god the d-backs have won in dodger stadium uh but this is this is this is a real thing okay Uh, And so for whatever reason, they have just gotten absolutely whooped there. Again, same thing with like Seattle and Houston over the last few years. Uh, But this is, I think, the most extreme example and the closest thing we have to Seattle and Houston. So those two things tell us that good frickin' luck, right? Good frickin' luck. Um, However, there are parts of this roster That are certainly, again, the Diamondbacks that make me feel good. And there are parts of the Dodgers roster that make me feel not so good. Now, I picked the Dodgers to win the World Series uh, on this podcast a few days ago. So that's kind of where I'm at. But that is just some history to consider. Where does your faith come from in
1: the Los Angeles Dodgers? Because compared to previous seasons, this is the least good I felt about them entering the postseason. Mookie Betts and, and Freddie Freeman are incredible. But the rest of the offense, at least in my brain, is slightly underwhelming. And we have, like we just said, we have no idea who's actually going to pitch for them and how good they're going to be.
0: Yeah, totally fair. And I think it really is like I have just totally fallen sucker to this group. There is enough new energy in this clubhouse that everybody has talked about in a very positive way that is that enough to ride a stars and more scrubs that you would like roster to a championship? Maybe not. But like, this is to me a version of in the way that we were talking about the Orioles to some degree where it's like, they still won hundred games and ran, ran away with this division. They still played and won so many games so convincingly in ways that you just did not think like that tells me a lot. And the just the energy around this team that is that is that they are no longer bored of be about being the Dodgers, with guys like Hayward and Rojas and just some of the younger guys that have come up. Like I just I like how they're feeling. Truly combined with the pedigree that they already have, and that the top of the roster is still so good. I agree with you. The pitching still scares the shit out of me, and that's fine. And that could totally sink them as soon as this round, even. But. If we're going to, like I said before, I don't often get to pick the Dodgers as some, you know, hipster pick. And so I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to take the Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and in doing so, I guess I'll say how they win. They win because they have the pitching, the starting pitching advantage. And they are not too far behind when it comes to the bullpen with how it's performed in, in you know, the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Gallon going twice is a big deal. Gallon going twice against a rookie and Bobby Miller is a big deal. Is Bobby Miller going to pitch on short rest game mm-hmm. two to game four? I don't know. feels like mm-hmm. the Dodgers are going to need four starters to get through this series, right? Whereas the Diamondbacks probably only need three. If Kelly goes on short rest in a game five, I just, or sorry, uh gallon goes short rest in a game five. Mm-hmm. I just feel good about the diamondbacks pitching. Sure. And I think they win it in five.
0: I think okay. Gallon. All right. Yeah. Wins I mean, I think they Dodger they State. they got a shot, and maybe that's stupid for me to say if I'm picking the Dodgers to win the World Series. But like, I don't know, man. I just think. I, uh, it'd be great. Snakes are, they are really, really fun team. I, I'm so glad because sometimes as, again, we saw the opposite of it with the Marlins, right? Super excited about his fun young wildcard team. And then they fall flat on their face and whatever. Maybe that would have happened to anybody that goes, goes to Philly, but that performance for the D-backs in both of those games was just so exciting. So, like I said, think about how many different D-backs showed up. We got Moreno homers. We got Carroll. We got Alec Thomas hitting home runs. We got Christian Walker, you know, smashing baseballs. We got Longoria. We didn't even talk about him nearly enough um, the other day for what he was doing on defense. Like so much packed into just two games. catal Marte, right? He's been one of their best players for years now. That's what made me so excited about them. So I'll stick with the Dodgers. Uh, I'll say five just for the sake of uh, respect for the Snakes. Um, But that's where I'm at. uh, So
1: you're saying the Snakes are going to
0: have to get back on the plane? Um, they they will, which is the problem because uh, I don't like their chances in <laughs> Game Five at the place where they're seven thirty-one <laughs> over the last four years. Um, all that said, uh, let us wrap with uh, a little. First of all, this was this was. I feel like we previewed the the long division series uh, quite well. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Now Not I will say, long. <laughs> as we were recording this on Thursday evening. There'll be shit again. We you know missed the Woodruff injury. There's going to be some injuries that pop up. Some you know starting pitchers that we missed. We're doing our best. We think we painted a good picture of what these series are going to look like, and we cannot wait. The other thing I would mention is that on Monday we're going to have a special guest to join us. Jake, you will be in Atlanta between games one and two. We're going to have a special guest join us to talk about the postseason baseball. It is a professional baseball player. It is a active professional major league baseball player. All right. Mm. We're not, you know, we're not bringing in someone in the NPB who's, you know, bored over there in Japan. I'm going
1: to give give one hint about it. Okay.
0: Okay. It's not Shohei Otani. All right. So you can cross that off your list. And if you're disappointed in us, we apologize. A quick bit of news before we say goodbye, Jake, related to the New York Metropolitans, Pete Alonso hires Scott Boris. That is the least surprising thing of all time. It is the smart thing to do if you are a Major League Baseball player heading towards free agency. We wish Pete all the best in acquiring as much uh, U.S. dollars as he possibly can in the coming years, whether that is from the Mets or another team. Congrats to Pete. More interestingly, is that Billy Epler stepped down from the New York Mets this afternoon. Billy Stepler. And Billy Stepler down, and a lot of Mets fans are like, oh, Mike, I'm shocked. What the heck? Why did Billy Epler step down? What is going on? Because Steve Cohen three days ago said that Billy Epler is going to be a big part of our front office. And he's going to work with David Stearns. And David Stearns wants to have as many smart people. And I said, think about this for one. Put yourself in Billy Epler's shoes. Steve Cohen has been trying to replace you to your face for more than a year. Okay. He has said, you are not the guy. You are not him. You're not that guy, pal as they say, okay? That's what Steve Cohen was saying basically publicly and privately to everybody who would listen while Billy Epler was trying to do his job to the best of his ability. And so Billy, Epler- was <laughs> <dead>. <laughs> Billy Epler's last move was
1: murdering Buck Showalter and then he got murdered <laughs> and himself. So, and so, like, these
0: guys want to be in charge and we talk all the Pobo chat, oh, well, there's GMs who are under the Pobos. like, yeah, that works because the Pobo and the GM are like homies. OK, David Stearns and Billy Epler are not homies. Billy Epler is not going to be his errand boy. OK, yeah, that's not In sure. Order, it's like, oh, you make a lot of money and now the pressure is not. No, he wants to make decisions or at least go be somewhere where he can be with his friends. Yes.
1: And that is the the deal was like he's uh, Sterns is going to hire GM and it's going to be some dork. Yes. And you're going to be Great. like, oh, yeah, that makes
0: more sense. Yes. Now, however, Jake Mintz, there is a twist. I just oh, sent is this, you. Is this ep- the
1: twist? I don't
0: know. This is the twist you don't know. I just sent an MLB Trade Rumors link to you because you have not seen it because you've been busy writing words. And before we started recording, I said, Jake, oh, we have to talk about Billy Epler and blank. And then before I stopped, Jake was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, baby. Jake, take it away. MLB Trade Rumors headline. Go ahead.
1: Major League Baseball, investigating Mets, comma, Billy Epler on allegations of
0: improper injured list usage. Um, Hmm. So here's the deal. Um, I don't know if this is actually a big story or not. I don't really care. All I know is that the, the Mets have found once again, a way to be interesting. Is this the Mets phantom ILing guys? What does phantom IELing guys uh, mean, Jake? It's basically when to help navigate your roster flexibility, you put a guy on a 60 day IL or a 10 day IL, even though he's not actually that hurt teams do this all the time. Is it a, Chase that in I don't know what would have to happen for the Mets specifically to get singled out in this case. It's very possible. Uh, or it's something that we are none of us are thinking about, and that's also possible. The point is, this is just funny because of course. (laughs) Like this is I was like, oh, like the Epler thing is a non story. Of course he would quit. Not a big deal. And then as soon as I was about to say that on this podcast, this story came out.
1: I like to think it was Justin Verlater just wasn't in the mood for the first month of the year, and so they just (laughs) dialed him. He was actually fine.
0: Right, it's like—is it involved in like the mega tanking, like down the stretch? Like I don't know. Like to me, the only way that this happens is if a player is essentially like reporting it to, but I don't. Whatever. All this is very strange. So, if we get more, if this is actually more interesting than it sounds, we will cover it. But for now, hilarious and LOL Mets uh, chapter five hundred thousand billion. But Billy Epler stepping down. Otherwise, is not that interesting. Jake Mitz, we are done. Thank you all for listening to this lds preview podcast we will be back on monday as you mentioned by the time you are
1: listening to this i have a big feature up today at fox sports on ronald Cunha jr go read
0: it i think i think people i think when they see it on the timeline they'll be like oh i, I want to read that so please read it make sure you check that out uh but yes rate and review the podcast let us know what you like, what you don't like, the reviews. We, we appreciate it. It's nice to hear feedback. So, so really uh, appreciate those. Podswag.com slash baseball if you want some merch. Uh, check that out. Thank you, Jake, for co-hosting with me. Thank you, Chris Tyler, for staying up late on Thursday night to produce. We appreciate it. Safe travels to Atlanta, my dear friend. And we'll be back on Monday to talk about how the Baltimore Orioles are doing in the Major League Baseball postseason. We cannot wait, and we'll talk to you. Sirius XM Podcasts.